Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Table. My name is Jackie King, and I'm your host for today. I am so excited, again, that you are deciding to join us to listen in on the conversation of women and leadership in the SBC. I love this podcast just because we get to highlight women from all over the planet uh, who are serving in different ways, and today I am so excited about my guest. I have no doubt that you're going to be challenged, that you're going to be encouraged from her story, and that you're going to get a little peek into what it looks like to be a planter's wife in the United States. So today I want to welcome my friend Jackie Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So glad to have you all the way from Virginia. And so it's a little cold and brisk up there right now, but very thankful that you're spending your day with us. So how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? And I'm really intrigued just by your story and challenged by your story of even your upbringing and stuff like that. So why don't you even go all the way back of just what it was like growing up as Jackie Taylor? Okay. Well, um, growing up, I was Jackie Rose or Jacqueline Rose when I was in trouble. <laughs> yes. Um, same here. <laughs> yes. So I am uh, the youngest daughter of three. I have all sisters. Um, and I was raised by a single mom, uh, not in church. I knew who Jesus was. Uh, she wasn't an atheist or anything like that, but we were not raised in church. Um, my mom was a very hard woman. She was no nonsense. She did not play around. It was not until later in my life that I really realized that she didn't have time to play around. Uh, you know, yeah, being yeah. a woman uh, and raising three young ladies to be women and to be self-sufficient and not um, not to encounter some of the challenges that she had encountered being born and raised in North Philadelphia and just a hard upbringing herself. But my mom passed away when I was 13 years old. Uh, very suddenly, she was sick one day and gone the next. And so that changes the trajectory of my life forever. Um, even prior to that, my sisters and I and my mother spent some time um, actually just being a part of a cult, a religious cult, um, mm -hmm. that ironically, a special just came on TV about last weekend, which blew me away. Really? It did. It's um, the Yahweh cult. And I, my sister said, hey, this is going to be on TV. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be some glazed over version. But it wasn't. And it just blew me away. It, it really transported me back in time uh, because this was our life. Yeah. Um, and it also made me as a wife and a mom so grateful for the grace of God. Yes. And so grateful yes. for God's keeping power, even when we don't realize he's keeping us. Um, so, yeah, mom passed away at 13. Uh, I ended up kind of backtracking and going back with family in Philadelphia and eventually to my father in Indiana, who I had no relationship with and was not very fond of. Uh, but very quickly, I gave my heart to Jesus. And that really changed everything for me. Uh, I had an amazing youth group that I grew up in. And that really was the foundation for me, knowing Christ, loving Christ and living for him. And I am one of those people that 
once I got saved, I didn't walk away from the Lord. I have not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> um, but I, I had, I didn't have that story or I don't have that story of, you know, I went to college and did what I wanted to do and then found Jesus. I was a wild kid. Um, the things that I did before 13 years old could make a lot of people's heads spin. And so honestly, when I came to Jesus, I was exhausted. I was exhausted by life. Um, I was exhausted by losing my mom. I was exhausted by trying to figure out what this dynamic was because I had enough common sense to know that whether I liked him or not, I was living in my dad's house. Mm -hmm. And at least for the next five to seven years, I was going to have to figure out how to navigate that. So looking back kind of during that time, and especially I love how you put that just looking back on the grace of God. Do you remember what are some of the big truths? And I would imagine with the loss of a mom and kind of being shuffled around from family and stuff, just that feeling of isolation, of feeling like you don't belong. What are some of the things that you remember kind of looking back or maybe that you even see now that really was able to get you through? Well, one of the things um, that is huge for me is that grace has been a theme throughout my life. My sister often says, Jackie, you have got to be one of the most hemmed in people I have ever met in my life. Because you know what? I have really attempted to make some idiotic decisions. I mean, huge, dumb decisions. <laughs> and and I look back and I see uh, how God frustrated the plan of the enemy over and over again. Things I mean, that just don't make any sense. Why didn't the person come to pick me up for the party that they said they were going to come pick me up for? Or why didn't this person, you know, follow through with this or that? Or things that then were very, very frustrating. I see it was God's hand because some of those same people who I was endeavoring to hang out with or be a part of their clique are deceased. Some of them are drug addicted, you know, and some of these changes and things happen and enter those their lives that very moment that I wasn't at the event or I wasn't at the party or I wasn't invited, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I see it just as clear as day how God has been. I think of it this way. I'm not a big football person at all, but I think of a blocker on a football field and how the person with the ball in their hand is running and the blocker is just going before them, knocking down the opposition. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the Lord has done in my life over and over and over again. And so um, the truth of God's grace, like not just as a word, not just as a song lyric, (laughs) but really seeing it in your life. And also, you know what, Jackie, I have had to, there was a point when it was really coming to grips with and then accepting the sovereignty of God. You know, I battled with why me for a long time. Why me with losing my mom? Why me with not having a father who um, I felt was engaged the way that he should have been? And even in later years, why me with losing a baby? Why me with my youngest daughter uh, had a battle with cancer? Um, Why me, even currently, as my oldest daughter is having some struggles, Um, But I have to rest in the sovereignty of God and um, how the word says in Psalms that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Mm -hmm. And because I'm one of those people that I have to get it, but then once I got it, I got it. 
Right. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that tears aren't being shed here and there. It doesn't mean that there's not frustration. But my heart is secure, and so the sovereignty of God has just been a huge point of peace in my life, and continues to be. Hmm. Well, and you kind of hit on just more loss that you experienced with your baby, and then uh, walking through cancer for one of your kids, which, um, I don't know any mom that wouldn't rather take it on themselves than to watch their kid struggle with this. So let's kind of talk about that. Um, where were you in life? Like, were y'all in ministry and what did it look like? I think to grieve and to fight for your child in the middle of doing all the things, you know, you're still expected to be a, a parent to your other kids, um, to, uh, work, you know, and, and do church things and, and all, all that is still swirling around in the midst of your world, kind of stopping around these two things. So how did you manage that and what helped you walk through just some of those losses and struggles? Absolutely. Well, you know, with my daughter, she will be uh, 12 on May the 8th, but when she was one and a half, she was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, which people in the medical field abbreviate as ALL. And um, it was the most random diagnosis. She had just kind of been complaining that her ankles hurt. And she was a little bitty baby, mm-hmm. um, complaining that her ankles hurt. I ended up taking her to the doctor. She hit her face on the car door that morning, which again was the grace of God, because within 30 minutes, it swole closed, black and blue. Uh, which, of course, I was like, what in the world is going on? And we were at the doctor's office at the time. Um, To make a long story short, her appointment that morning was at 9. By 2 o'clock, we had the diagnosis, and we our our lives were changed. Uh, We were active in ministry when Jalen was diagnosed. My husband was an associate pastor um, at a church in Hampton, Virginia, and uh, all four of my children were born. So Julia, my oldest, was uh, maybe three going on four. Her brother right behind her was two going on three. Jalen was one going on two. And the baby boy wasn't even one years old yet. Wow. So it was crazy. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> it, I would it say was so. Crazy. Um, I really locked in during that time to what God had to say. Meaning, when I received her diagnosis, immediately I felt the impression in my heart that this was not going to be death for her. Hmm. And so I am the type of person that I'm like, okay, I can go through the hard stuff. That's okay. Let's let's go. And that's just kind of what I did. I I just kind of laced up, so to speak, and locked in. And we went on a very hard, arduous two-and-a-half-year journey uh, full of chemo treatments every seven days and what ended up being the cutest little ball head girl you ever did see. And, you know, there were some moments where I did not think she was going to make it. We spent her second birthday in the PICU because she had had a grand mal seizure and her heart had stopped. And, you know, so I don't want to paint the picture that it was just like, okay, we're just going to go. But during that time, really, and this is – was one of the things that I stand on. I had some of the most dynamic women of God come around me and just say, hey, what do you need? I'll get this one off the bus. I've got food. I've got laundry. 
um, you know, things that you don't even think about uh, because of her condition. All of her toys had to be thrown away. And I would come home from hospital visits and there would be boxes of toys Wow. to the specs that I had set because there's only certain things that she could have. Boxes and boxes of toys that had been sent through the mail would be sitting on the porch. New DVDs and the DVD player that she could take and travel with her to her appointments. And then other people also ran point with the other kids to make sure that they weren't, you know, getting just lost during this time. It's such a challenge um, on a marriage when you're dealing with a chronically ill child. Um, the statistics say that 85% of couples who have a child that has a chronic illness or who passes away end up divorced. Right. Um, and that statistic, I would say, is probably even a little low because you just, you know, you are grieving and, and dealing with the loss of your expectations for this child in your own way and you know your spouse is dealing with it in their own way so it was it was a really really challenging time Uh, my husband and I kind of just came to the point of divide and conquer which was I was going to run point for Jalen so that meant hospital visits medications you know at some points in her journey giving her shots at home and things of that nature and he was going to run point with the other three kids and make sure that they were okay um, and so, you know, by God's grace, by the help of a whole lot of people, by a lot of Starbucks, um, <laughs> there was a lot of Starbucks involved in that journey. Um, extra shots in those cups of coffee, I'm sure. Yes. That's actually when I started drinking coffee. Believe it or not, I never drank coffee before Jalen got sick. And one night I went to the nurse's station and they had coffee and I was like, okay. I just sat there with them and drank coffee all night long. Oh, that goodness. was my indoctrination into the coffee world. But um, we looked up and we were on the backside of it. And she's been cancer free ever since. So we're really, really grateful for that. Wow. I think one of the things that has just always intrigued me and challenged me about you is not only your authenticity and your rawness, but even just your joy. Um, and you know, up until this podcast and us kind of chatting, I wasn't even aware of your mom passing away at 13. And that's obviously a really important time and season for a young girl in her life. And so all of the loss and the struggle and the hard that I think you've had to walk through and yet you are so incredibly just joyful and you take all of that loss and all of that hard in your story. And then you're able to sit and turn around and encourage women and encourage other planters wives and um, women in your church. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about what you do with Nam, what you do in your local church, kind of unpack that a little bit, and then even tell us how has this journey of just hardship and seeing God's grace in the midst of the hard all throughout your life, how does that help you minister today? So um, right now at our church, which is the Village Church of Portsmouth, our local church, I am not super active. Um, I had to pull back from some things because Um, my oldest daughter is now having some challenges and so I really just needed to focus in on her which um, should not have been a hard decision but it really really was and it really made me understand that um, we can as my counselor says you can feel like you're doing ministry so you must love God you must be in a good place with God because you're doing these things Uh, and so really just dealing with the challenge of what that looks like and what that means um, I 
think is growing both her and I up at the same time. I have always done two things at church, um, women's ministry and sang praise and worship, always. Um, and so those two things I'm currently not active in, uh, which is a little bit, you know, it's, it's challenging from time to time. But again, God in his grace. Um, my job with the North American Mission Board, um, my official title is a spouse development specialist. I oftentimes have to read the bottom of my emails like to see my title is. So who runs around it's kind of a long that? one, yes. Right. Who, who runs around saying that? I do not <laughs> run around saying that at all. But um, I'm grateful for my job. I'm so, so, so grateful to be able to get a chance really to just do life with other women. That is one of the things um, that years ago, probably about nine or 10 years ago, the Holy Spirit really just pressed upon my heart the importance of legacy and the importance of doing life with other people and being your authentic self. So it's not just like a, it's not a tagline for me as much as it is um, a lifeline. And I feel so, so, so privileged to be able to get the opportunity to walk that out with other women. You know, there are varying degrees of transparency and vulnerability. Um, I am an extreme extrovert. And so I real I have come to meet some of the most godly, powerful women who are super quiet. And so they, in their quiet strength, have taught me that, you know, how not to be such a bulldozer all the time. <laughs> I love uh, that. It's yeah. A challenge for us good yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely. There is power in silence. I'm still learning that power one. Power <laughs> in silence. And I, you know, I'm still learning it right there with you. Us Jackies are still learning that. Um, but it, it's just really a joy. And you know, the first time that I met a woman who was going through something that I had already been through, and it was a huge and hard something. I remember after talking with her and just walking with her, going in my room and crying, I mean weeping, because I said, Lord, she's one of the reasons why. Mm-hmm. I had to walk through that so that when she came along, because, you know, these things that catch us off guard, they don't catch God off guard. He's not like, oh, wow, those two met. Right. <laughs> or, oh, wow. She's right. You know, and so oftentimes because we live in a world, you know, everyday world, we don't take the step back to say, you know, God is really looking down through time and space and creating these moments of intersection in people's lives. And that's huge to me. Um, and so in answer to how that pain and loss has helped me and continues to help me to navigate, it is fuel. It really, really is. I am grateful that I don't lead from a place of pain um, or kind of like what I call a weeping willow, but I am also grateful that I do not forget what I have walked through. And, you know, I'm not dead, so walking through it ain't over yet, um, to, to <laughs> use a bad grammar, but a, a good message. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time, once I'm finished with my process, I just kind of stand back and, I, and survey the land, if you will, and say, okay, Lord, uh, I'm ready for whoever, whoever is dealing with this, 
I, I'm ready because now you've taught me some things on the other side of this trial that I didn't know previously. And there's no doubt that there's women listening today that are just resonating with what you're saying. And they're more than likely in a season of pain and hurt and suffering could even be walking directly through one of their kids having cancer or having just lost a loved one. And so for you today listening that are maybe just kind of crying some silent tears as you listen to this. I hope you hear Jackie's words and know that there's purpose in the hurt. There's purpose in the grief that you're holding right now. And I know for me and some of those seasons in my life, and I'm sure Jackie, you can attest to this, that those are the moments where Jesus was most sweet and where he met me in a way that I wouldn't have been able to meet him if it weren't for just that deep grief and sorrow and loss. And so lean into the Lord, um, lean into how he's trying to show himself and his grace and his beauty to you and know that they're an end to the season that you get to take that story just like jackie talked about to encourage other women that are walking the same path as you and so i just i love that encouragement i think it's so practical for so many of us there's not any woman i think that isn't working through some kind of process of their past and story in their past and so just great great words and, you know, I don't even, it, I think there another grace point is that, you know, it doesn't have to be my story is not your story. Your story is not my story. You know, I was a stay-at-home mom for 13 years, and that was probably the hardest thing that I ever did in my entire life, <laughs> whole life. And looking back on that time, you know, for seven, maybe even eight years of that, I didn't do a good job. I didn't like, you know, I, I allowed frustration to rule me. My only two times of the day that I really had a good, that I was really in a good place were nap time and bedtime. Yep, counting uh, it down, counting it down. You know, <laughs> counting it down, not really finding the joy in it. And it wasn't until I was really deep in that I realized, God, this is such a privilege. Um, and so I just say that to say, no matter what it is that you're navigating, you know, no matter what it is, you just said something that was so important and it is so true. The seasons change, mm -hmm. the seasons change. And, and it is so important for us as women of God to learn what we need to learn in the season that we're in, because that is without a doubt part of the preparation for the next season. Yes, absolutely. I've definitely seen that in my own life. I could not agree more. I want to shift just a little bit because you are one of my sweet friends that are a woman of color. And this is obviously a big topic within our convention of just yeah. diversity and trying to find women of color to get on board with us, you know, and how to highlight them. And that's why I was so excited to invite you on. So I kind of want to talk just in closing about what is it like to be a woman of color in the SBC? What have you seen? What are your hopes? And most importantly, how can we champion other women coming behind you, coming with us? Um, what does that look like for us to really be intentional about encouraging and prodding other sisters that are women of color to be able to be on our team, to be in our tribe, and to keep going in the race? Being a woman of color in the SBC is probably the second most hard thing that I've done. I can imagine. Life. Yeah. Um, you know, it is a challenge, one that I have to be honest and say I was not prepared for. Um, not again, having grown up in church. And then when I did uh, give my heart to the Lord, I was not from a Southern Baptist background. 
um, like most people of color, are not from a Southern background. And I just was not ready. I was not prepared. Um, My heart was not prepared. And so there were a lot of hurdles that I had to come over. One of the things that um, I learned early on working with the SBCV here in Virginia, I was a part of the state team for the women for about three years. And one of the things that I had to learn to do was just stop talking and listen to other Mm -hmm. people talk. Again, that's not super easy for these extroverts, but (laughs) (laughs) learning to just listen, um, because sometimes we assume the worst of people. And there is a difference between being intentional and being ignorant. Mm -hmm. There are people who are intentional in their feelings or um, in their negative feelings towards people of color. But there are also people who are just ignorant, meaning they don't know what they don't know. And I have found how sensitive I was to people asking me anything that I felt like they should know. And really the Lord had to say, well, Jackie, why? Why should she know that about you? She's never been a woman of color, just like you've never been a Caucasian woman. So Mm -hmm. there are things that you don't know. Um, and so really, again, there goes that word grace given to others. But I think within the SBC, we have a responsibility to understand um, and not just not so much to understand, but we have a responsibility to acknowledge the hurt. Mm. We have a responsibility to acknowledge that there are things that we just don't know. And I think that when we lead with that foot, um, it is so helpful. I've said uh, to some women who I have the privilege of working with, Kathy Litton um, at NAM, and I said to her in conversations about diversity, you know, if you walk in the room as if you walk in the room as a woman who's leading a conversation, leading a study, leading a conference, and you see there's only one woman of color in the room, finding a comedic way to acknowledge the fact that there's only one woman of color really breaks the ice, mm. you know, because we already feel uncomfortable mm. in the room. Yeah. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. You know, um, we know we're the only one or maybe the only two uh, in a room of 200 or 500. And so acknowledging that when appropriate it, it it's helpful because who doesn't want to be seen? Hmm. Everyone wants to be seen, you know, um, not in a attention seeking way, but I see you. And so that is one of the things that I feel like is very important. That's one of the things that quite honestly, I do often when I'm in ro- rooms and it's reversed when I am teaching and I'm the only woman of color in the room. Uh, I, I'm quick to say something like, oh, it's so nice that we all look just alike. We could be twins. <laughs> and, you know, immediately everyone busts out laughing. But I'm just, it's just a way that I find to say, hey, breathe. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's all right. Um, some of the other things that I feel like uh, it is our responsibility to do is to foster communication and talks just like the one that we're having now on a larger scale. Get women in the room and just get them talking. Uh, you know, there's not many things that a good conversation and a good meal can't fix. Amen to that. Speak, That's know? why we're Baptists, right? Talk, <laughs> good talk and good food. There's a, you know, there, there's not many things that at least can't get the ball rolling under those circumstances. And so I think that that is really an important place to start. And you know what, Jackie, we have to be prayerful. 
because we did not get to the place of the SBC where we are uh, with the challenges and diversity. We didn't get to that place overnight. Right. And so we're not going to get out of that place overnight. But the consistent, uh, faithful, and intentional work, I think, um, I believe that in a generation, we won't have this same challenge. You know what? I know we won't because the generation coming behind us doesn't have the same challenges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I, I think for for us, we have to remain faithful. We have to remain consistent. And people on both sides of the table have to mitigate their frustration, you know, yeah. because I would only imagine that those who are majority culture or the majority in these spaces feel a frustration with having to constantly um, learn something new or maybe try not to offend or this or that, you know, and those of us who are women of color, we have to understand that frustration, but our frustration also has to be understood, you know, that when you are used to being looked over, looked past, looked through, it's it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is difficult, but, you know, I will say this, and I think I've said this to you before, I think that if any group can really uh, get the ship turning with this change, it's women. Because there's something about women that we just, we have a way of going offline, so to speak, and connecting on issues that are so much bigger than the color of our skin. You know, our kids, our husbands, our past, the sports that we've played, this, that, the other. And we have a vulnerability with each other uh, that is oftentimes quicker, we come to that place quicker um, than guys generally. Mm-hmm. And so they connect on different issues and in a different way, but there is just a connection uh, that comes between women, especially when they're in a rough time. You know, I'll tell you, when my daughter was ill, I had friends of each and every color to surround me and to, you know, be my Starbucks deliverer for the day, bring me new clothes when I didn't know I was staying at the hospital or what have you. And never at at any time did I say, you know what, you don't look like me. So Mm. I I want somebody else to bring it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it just highlights what our ultimate bond is, which is Jesus and the other things shouldn't matter. And it's just trying to be the love and grace of Jesus to whoever it is in front of us um, is one of the things that Josh always says. And so um, I really want to challenge our listeners that are maybe not women of color. I'm um, Cuban American and we have a lot of listeners, probably majority of our listeners are Caucasian. And I think one of the things that really challenged me as this conversation has gone on in our convention and just the tension and the frustration was I may not get to do something on the national level. I'm obviously not in those conversations, but I can absolutely do something in my home and in my influence. And one of the things that you and I actually got connected on was just me trying to find who are women of color in my denomination, in my tribe that I can learn from. And so finding you on social media and messaging you and saying, hey, can we have a phone conversation? And that is how our little friendship started because I... I just wanted to know your perspective. I wanted to know your story. Um, I did the same thing with the pastor, uh, John O down in Atlanta. And just, we had a hour and a half, two hour conversation of just 
what's your story? What are your frustrations? And I think you hit on it at the very beginning of just listening well and making sure that people know that they're seen, that they're heard, and that I may not be able to fix this issue, obviously, for you, but I can sure as heck be one cheering you on as you are able to share your story and share what God has done in your life and as you lead. And so I really want to challenge all of our listeners, whatever color you may be, um, that you kind of take a look around. And if everybody's looking like you, if everybody's talking and walking like you, that maybe you intentionally try to find someone within our tribe that you can connect with and say, Hey, can we have a phone call? Um, I want to hear your story. I want to know how God has worked in your life. And I want to cheer you on in that. And I think just like you said, women are busting through so many of these barriers. And that's what I love about the SBC Women's Leadership Network is that we are changing the conversation and we're having hard conversations about some of these issues. And I just so appreciate your vulnerability, your authenticity in that. And um, just that you're on my team and I love cheering you on as a team member and as a part of my, as my tribe. So keep going, girlfriend. (laughs) Thank you so much. You know, it is, it is amazing, honestly, Jackie, that we get an opportunity to be a part of what God is doing during this time. You know, we we have a choice, just like we tell our children, you can sit in the corner and pout because something is not the way that you want it to be, or you can be an effective part of the change. And mm-hmm. so I'm so glad that you reached out to me uh, both then and now. I'm so grateful to God to be able to say, you know, 20, 30 years from now, I, I was there. That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I was there and I was a part of what God was doing. Maybe a small part, albeit, but I was there and I was a part of it. Um, and so I'm I'm looking forward to all that God is going to do um, because he's moving on people's hearts. You know, everybody may not be to the place of being vocal yet, or like you just said, you know, they may not know what to do, but, you know, doing something is the most important, you know, is the most important thing. So I'm grateful to be a part of your tribe and grateful to be a part of this conversation. Absolutely. Well, Jackie, I, again, just want to thank you for your time and just you sharing your story. If our listeners want to connect with you, what is the easiest way? Are you on social media and how do they reach out? I am on social media. So on social media, you know, oftentimes you don't know what your information is on social media because you're just there. Uh, I'm like, hmm, what is it? So on Facebook, it's just Jackie Taylor, J A C K I E T A Y L O R. My email address, if anyone has any questions or wants to connect over anything, is J Taylor at NAM.net, which is N A M B. Dot net. And I would love to keep the conversation, uh, keep the conversation going. Very good. Well, thank you again so much for your time. And I'll make sure to put your connection points in the show notes. So if you want to connect with Jackie, which I highly encourage you to do, um, reach out to her. And again, thank you so much for your time and for the conversation. And a quick shout out to our official sponsors, the CSB Bible. Thank you for making this happen and available.
You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in Kingdom Mission. Thanks for listening.